It's Monday, April 6th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Matt Greer, and joining me from Colorado is Motley Fool analyst Tim Byers. Tim, how are we doing? We're doing well. New week, Mac. New week, and the market's up. The market is up, Tim. The market opening up big on Monday, and the market's still up at the time of our taping here. Perhaps some cautious optimism that social distancing is working? It sure seems like it. I mean, and I don't, I hate to call it uh, social distancing. I call it physical distancing. Uh, but you know what? Because I, I mean, I like seeing you guys. Like, we still have to have some social time. It's just we can't be in the, you know, within six feet of each other. But it does seem to be. And it, we don't know if the curve is bending yet, but there's some optimism here. And it's nice to see because there's been so much negativity. Well, Tim, there is some optimism, and we are doing our part, I should say. You are at your home in Colorado. Yep. I'm not only in my home in Virginia, I'm in the closet. So there's a bit of a kind of a lion witch in the wardrobe thing going on here. Nice. Um, because, you know, we've got some drilling outside, some road work. So if you hear any of that in the background, I apologize. But on with the show, we're going to talk some Warren Buffett and some airlines, and we will talk some Slack. But, Tim, Let's begin with the video platform that is Zoom, the ubiquitous video platform Zoom. Shares of Zoom down around 8% at the time of our taping on Monday. Now, Zoom dealing with security issues, some unwanted guests, I guess we should say, can access Zoom or could access Zoom through some security problems there. Um, Zoom CEO Eric Yuan telling the Wall Street Journal that he really messed up as CEO and he went on to say that he felt an obligation to win the user's trust back. Now, Tim, I should add that Zoom is a motley full wreck, and we use Zoom as a company. We are a paying customer. What are your thoughts on Zoom? I like Zoom a lot, so I'll just start with a disclosure. I bought shares. I opened a position on March 31st, so I'm down on it a little bit. But I still like this company, and I have to say I really like Eric Yuan's response. Let's talk about what's going wrong here. Zoom had never built into its platform end-to-end encryption. So what does that mean? It means that if you are uh, broadcasting on Zoom, the data that's going over the Zoom network, wherever it it goes, and sometimes it goes through multinational uh, areas, including even in China, in some cases, uh, that data is not automatically encrypted. And there are some people, some privacy experts, who've called that out as a significant weakness. Uh, There are some companies that have decided to stop using Zoom because of it, notably Tesla, Elon Musk, Tesla, and and both Tesla and SpaceX uh, are not using it right now. Um, So this is a weakness. This is clearly a miss. Eric Yuan has said it's a miss, and this is why he says he feels like he needs to get users' trust back. Now, the problem is there will be end-to-end encryption. Yuan has said that. It just may be several months away. So that leads some to be a little more skeptical of this company than they were. In fact, Credit Suisse, this morning as we're taping, has downgraded the stock. Um, and it, it said uh, that the stock is, is priced for perfection. So that's not great either. So there's some selling pressure on this business right now. But here's the thing that I like, Mac. If a leader has said, hey, look, this was our mistake. We really messed up. We're going to own this. We're going to work to get your trust back. We're going to build the platform differently. And we're changing our culture, which is what Yuan said. We're changing our culture to really prize user privacy. And we're going to get that right from the get-go. 
I think that's a good sign. I can't prevent, and, and nor do I want to prevent companies from messing up because that's that's humanity. We all screw up. The question is how we respond in the midst of a screw up. So things that I see here is Yuan owning the mistake, promising a fix, and working aggressively to get there. I'm good with that. I, I in fact, just that response alone makes me more bullish on this business because I don't think Zoom is going anywhere. I mean, the the usage on this has gone up 20x in a short period of time. I genuinely believe that Zoom is one of the winning platforms over the, the very long term in, in live video. So I'm bullish, Mac. I'm still bullish. Okay. So I want to ask you a little more about that, though, because earlier you mentioned Tesla. And we're hearing examples. Um, in fact, New York City... Department of Education, so yep. biggest school district in the country, um, they have banned the use of Zoom for their online learning classes, and they are recommending Microsoft Teams instead. Yep. So Zoom, as dominant as it has become the last few months, it's not the only game in town. So my question nope. for you is, how big a threat is Microsoft Teams? I think it's a little bit of a threat, um, especially these productivity apps. So like Teams is elegant software and built into it is some communication, some audio and video communication, uh, which is good. And, and Microsoft has some skill in this area because they bought Skype many, many years ago. So pulling this all together inside Teams does make sense. Um, and of course, students who are submitting papers at Microsoft Word or they're doing you know numerical work in Excel that that just makes sense so I do think there's going to be some disruption in uh, Zoom's client base I, I think we should expect that I'm thinking though like five to ten years out does Zoom lose business permanently or can they write the ship grow the business and ten years from now, this is a hundred billion dollar or company, hundred billion or more in market cap. I think the I think there's a high probability that the answer is yes. Okay, so you're still feeling very, very bullish, like you, Tim. Too. I think to the past week, have used Zoom for a family reunion. We use Zoom at the Motley Fool. Um, our churches use Zoom. Use Zoom in all sorts of ways. So it does feel like it has become ubiquitous. But therein lies part right. of the problem too, because with great growth comes great responsibility and potentially 100%. big security problems. Yeah, 100%. I mean, and, and this is why Yuan has said that, you know, he really messed up. That's the thing that I, I really think as an investor, that's what you want to laser focus in on. It's not Yuan saying, I just notice the wording. It's not he's saying we messed up or our engineering team messed up. He's saying I messed up. He's taking it personally. I mean, that's a big deal. I, I understand that that's a nuance, and it's not something that you can put on a balance sheet and measure distinctly. But history says when a, a leader takes, takes it on their shoulders and says, hey, look, I started this company. This is, this is my business. This is my fault. I'm the one that put us here. I'm going to steer us in the right direction and is not putting the blame on anybody else except himself. That is a very good sign, in my opinion. Um, I, I, I genuinely like to see that. Um, and, you know, when you see turnarounds, and so like in the case of Apple, when Apple turned around and Steve Jobs, now Steve Jobs is very mercurial, but, but Steve, the late Steve Jobs, when he was turning around Apple, 
he was heavily invested. He took it personally. It meant something to bring Apple back. And it became one of the greatest winners of the past, I would say, 20 years. Now, that's not to say that this is what's going to happen to Zoom. But when a leader refuses to put blame on anybody else and takes the burden on their shoulders, that to me is usually a good sign, Mac. I love that idea of humility and accountability as really strategic assets. It's not just that it's a good way to live your life, but actually it confers an advantage for that business. I, I, I completely agree. We like to invest in great leaders. I believe that Eric Yuan is demonstrating really great foolish leadership right now. Well, speaking of great leaders, let's talk Warren Buffett. Now, after the market closed on Friday, we learned that Buffett is selling some of his airline shares. Buffett yep. selling 2.3 million shares of Southwest. Now, Berkshire still owns a little over 51 million shares of Southwest. Buffett also selling 13 million shares of Delta. Berkshire still owns 59 million shares of Delta. So, Tim, Buffett only selling a small portion of his overall positions there. But it was only around three weeks ago that Buffett said that he won't be selling airline stocks. So right. what gives here? Well, a lot has changed in those three weeks. I mean, we have a $25 billion bailout package. And there's something that I'm not going to say this spooks Buffett because I don't think Buffett spooks. But um, let's put this into context. So first things first, he's selling about 18% of his Delta position, about 4% of his Southwest position. Those are um, those are very small sales. Uh, so clearly, he still believes in these airlines over the long term. I think he has some reason to believe that. In fact, if I were him, I wouldn't have sold any Southwest. But that's, you know, I'm going to disagree with Buffett on that. And I, I frankly might be wrong. But let's just put that in context. These are small sales. The second piece of it, though, and what may have given him some pause is that the $25 billion bailout package has some strings attached. And one of those strings is that the government will be compensated for that $25 billion that it's investing in airlines. The way that it's being compensated is not yet clear, but there are some options. And they've listed the following as options that the airlines can give the government for paying back what are effectively these loans. So it can be equity, can be stock, can be options, can be warrants, can be debt, like secured debt. It could also be preferred equity. So these are the things that I've seen. Nothing has been determined yet, but in in each of those instances, there are some cases where existing shareholders are going to be sent to the back of the line by the government, and the government's going to be made whole, whole first, and there's going to be some dilution here. So the airlines are probably going to have to uh, issue some equity for the government, or they're going to have to issue some preferred debt. And so there's there's going to be dilution. You know, the the value of your equity today is going to be worth less tomorrow. Um, but the options that are in there, you know, not all of them say like, hey, the existing equity is going to be wiped out and we're going to issue entirely new stock. That doesn't seem to be the the preferred option. So the fact that Buffett is holding on actually does give me some faith because if he genuinely believed that the deal that the government gets would be like, look, we're going to take a big you know, debt position and then all the equity holders, the current equity holders are going to be wiped out 
and then we're going to start over. Clearly, Buffett doesn't think that's going to happen. So I don't have any reason to believe to doubt that uh, he's wrong on this. So I think um, in a weird way, Mac, this isn't a bullish sign, maybe a hopeful sign. Okay. I like it. The contrarian. Do you have a favorite airline stock? I like Southwest. Southwest of all of them has the best of the balance sheets. It has a net cash position, um, and it was built from day one to run at extremely low cost. And in fact, uh, people will forget this because um, nowadays, you know, when when times are normal, most airplanes. I mean, you've been on an airplane. If you're listening, you've probably been on an airplane, and you have flown in a packed airplane. And so the load factor, which is the percentage of how filled an airplane is when it flies with 100% being 100% full, it's not uncommon to see like 85, 88, 90% plus, you know, these planes flying uh, in a quarter. They're just, they're just packed full most of the time. Southwest, when it was built, was built to be able to make a profit at like 60% full, 65% full. So it's always been that low cost carrier that was designed from day one for efficiency. Um, so it doesn't surprise me that it's got the best of the balance sheets and a long history of producing free cash flow. I think South, this is why I think that South, that, that Buffett shouldn't have sold any Southwest. I really believe Southwest is kind of head and shoulders above the rest of the field here. And let's wrap up by talking some Slack, the popular messaging platform. Tim, we use it at The Motley Fool. Yep. You and I use it when we're planning the show, we're planning the podcast. Shares of Slack up around 2% at the time of our taping here. Now, Slack announcing a $600 million debt offering. Tim, unpack that for us. What does that mean for investors? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a great move. So Slack is burning cash right now. Um, they are not yet profitable. They, they don't yet generate uh, free cash flow for their business. So they do need capital. And getting $600 million now is a way for them to buttress their balance sheet and get more cash than they actually need here at the moment. Um, that's a really smart way to go here. Now, the terms, I haven't looked at all the terms to see just exactly you know, what Slack is going to have to pay for that. I'm sure it's not entirely cheap. I don't expect that this is going to be um, you know, they're going to have to pay some interest on that. And there is a convertible aspect to it, which means that some of that debt could turn into stock at some point and dilute the stock a little bit so that, you know, if you're a current shareholder of Slack, like I am, uh, that dilution means that you will, uh, your, your equity is going to be worth a little bit less perhaps, uh, you know, after the, you know, Slack puts more stock into the market. But you know what? I think that's a small price to pay. We see that all the time with a lot of the cloud companies. But just looking up and down the balance sheet here, for right now, Slack doesn't have any debt. And they had a, at least that I can see when I'm just taking a quick look at the balance sheet. Now, they do have some leases that act like debt, but they do have, in terms of a total cash position, about 769 million, and that's before this debt offering. So let's say it's up to 1.3 billion. That gives them some runway, and you really want that. You do want Slack to continue to invest in the platform and grow because they do face, uh, you know, the 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 possibility that Microsoft will look to disrupt some of Slack's big customers. 
Um, I think Slack is is in a, in a very good position. This puts them in a better position. You get some cash now, you put it on the balance sheet, it allows you to keep operating as you would without uh, too much of a sacrifice. You're not gutting the business just to stay around, but you are maybe being a little more prudent and you've got some runway. So I think it's a really good move, Mac. And Tim, you mentioned Microsoft earlier in the show. We talked about Microsoft Teams as a potential threat to Zoom. How big of a threat is Microsoft Teams to Slack? It's a meaningful threat in the sense that there are a lot of companies that have Slack that also use Office 365. And Teams is part of that Office 365 suite. So if you're a big company, there is, there's good reason for you, because Teams is elegant software, there is good reason for you to trial Teams and say, like, hey, does this maybe work a little better for us? I do think that there there is a threat there. At the lower tier, though, like at the small business level, um, you know, certainly Office 365 is available to small businesses. So it's not like Teams isn't useful down at the lower level, but I think it's more useful when you're in a larger business, when you have multiple departments and you need a lot of people looking at documents and collaborating in a very consistent way. That's less true once you're in, in a smaller business. And there is a there are a number of companies that provide really useful tools that Slack integrates with very well. What the tool we're on right now, Zoom, integrates with Slack really, really well. So um, I do think there's a little bit of a threat here, but I also think they're slightly different tools built for a slightly different audience. And I actually think there's a lot of room for both of these companies to win. Where it could get really dicey is if Slack uh, starts running out of capital, has to run really lean, and they disappoint customers. If that happens, then I think Teams swoops in and fills the gap. Okay, so I want to ask you about that as we wrap this up. So Slack IPO'd last summer, summer of 2019. Today, it's trading below its IPO price. Yep. For the year, year to date, it's flat, which as we know in this market is 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 ahead. Is a yeah, it's winner. unbelievable, right? That's unbelievable. But it's still below where it IPO'd. So five years from now, do you think Slack is still a standalone company or has it been acquired? That's tough. There's there's two reasons that's a tough question. The first is it does face a lot of competition. So I could see the argument for it being acquired. Having said that, I do think it's a really strong standalone business. The other reason it could be acquired is the founder or the co-founder, I should say, Stuart Butterfield, has a successful track record of selling companies before. Remember, he helped found Flickr, which sold to Yahoo. Um, I, I do founders that are willing to sell you know, are, are usually willing to sell again. So there is an opera. I, I could see Slack being sold, especially if its uh, competitive position starts to get wobbly. But overall, I do believe this is an independent business. I'm a shareholder. I think it's a multi-bagger over the next 10 years, as long as it continues to demonstrate real business momentum. It's one of the most used platforms out there. I mean, it, it really does have very high levels of engagement. And I think that's super promising for the long-term uh, you know, the long-term view of this business. But yeah, Mac, I mean, when you have a founder who sold before, there definitely is, I'm going to say a 50-50 chance that he'll sell again. 
Now, Tim, of course, Slack is a very, very popular cloud-based company. You are the lead advisor on the Motley Fool's investing service about cloud stocks. I know you think it is a great time um, for the cloud. And so I want you to kind of unpack why you think that is and name some names, some potentially big winners in the cloud. Sure. Okay. So um, the reason I think it's a good time for cloud is we're seeing the business use of the cloud uh, being put to the test right now. I mean, look at where we are. We're working remotely. We're depending on the cloud for doing our work on a daily basis. And we're not the only company doing that. There are a lot of companies around the United States and around the world that are doing that. So I think we're seeing the resilience and the utility of the cloud being tested right now. And I think that's very interesting. And, and Zoom is one of the companies that has held up rel relatively well in that environment. Zoom is cloud-based. It is a very useful tool. Now, it's having some issues right now. But you know, overall, I think we could say that Zoom is proof that the cloud is very important to the way we do business in the future. But it's not the only one. So I'll give you a couple of, of stocks that are not necessarily uh, stocks I'm recommending in the cloud, but nevertheless are pretty well positioned. And there are alternatives to Zoom. And I'm thinking of Cisco and Ring Central. So I'll give you a couple of tickers there. Cisco is CSCO, CSCO, and Ring Central is RNG. And both of these companies have tailwinds because they're in the business of, of connecting people. Uh, RingCentral in particular is, is sort of kind of an anti-Zoom uh, where it's, it's getting a lot of play in big corporations as a video platform and an audio platform. And I've used it and it works, it works well. And the stock has, has done relatively well. It's just, a, it's just a good business. And Cisco still provides much of the infrastructure of the internet. If you need the, the routers and switches and just general infrastructure equipment of, uh, of the internet, Cisco's providing a ton of that. And the stock is trading incredibly cheap. So I think those are two cloud stocks that get widely ignored, but I think have some legs. And it's just demonstrative of there are a lot of these stocks. A lot of them have tailwinds. They don't all have to be the biggest names. I think they're all going to see some benefits over the next five years, Mac. Okay, Tim. So over the next five years, speaking of over the next five years, and I'm going to leave the cloud stocks out of this, but okay. Desert Island question, over the next five years, Zoom, yep. Microsoft, Slack, Southwest Airlines or Delta, what are you going with? Wow, good group. Over the next five years, it's going to be between Zoom and Slack, and I'm going to say Zoom because I just so firmly believe in Eric Yuan, and I don't think that, that 20x increase that we've seen in Zoom usage, I don't think all of that's going to evaporate. I think the vast majority of it is going to stick and a lot of those customers are going to become paying customers, and that's going to be a huge amount of growth. And you think they'll fix the security concerns? I really do. I really do. I think that Eric Yuan takes it personally. And uh, so I'm a shareholder. I'm going to continue to be a shareholder, Mac. Thanks, Mac. Really appreciate it.